Hi, welcome paperback readers. I'm Joe, that's Julie, glad to have you back in 2022, although I guess the first one was after the new year, but this is the Barely. first one where I'm covering 2022 yeah. books, so it feels like a new year. Yeah, and we read some really, really good stuff to start the new year. I love a new year of reading. Yeah, I mean, the, the Christmas stuff is stacked up to, to get to, and a lot of fun things to plow through. Some of them I have, some of them still to go, but that's reading, isn't it? All right, you go first this time. What have you read over the last two weeks? Okay, first, um, Get Back by the Beatles. And it's odd to me that they credit it as by the Beatles, but uh, they do. <laughs> this is the companion book for the Disney Plus uh, documentary. So, yeah, I was wondering how it was different because you've already watched the whole documentary, what, twice? Yeah, I'm working on time three. Yeah. yeah, because you're watching it again with me, and this is the first time I've seen it. So I was wondering what the book added to it, how it was different. Well, for one thing, it's a big, pretty photo book. There are a lot of really nice pictures in here. Uh, but that said, there, there's plenty of text. It's basically transcripts from the film and from um, the same source as the film, the, the rehearsals and them uh, you know, recording in Abbey Road Studios, playing the music, talking about the music. Um, so needless to say, it's uh, going to basically be mostly dialogue. It'll be like, okay, they play Let It Be Here. But uh, some of it was in the movie, some of it wasn't. And it's interesting in the same way that the movie is. And really, it's kind of like the movie with still pictures instead of a uh, you know, visible video. So When we started watching the movie, I wasn't really sure about it because, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a Beatles fan, but... And I like documentaries, but I just wasn't sure how interesting it was going to be just to watch people like sit around and jam. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm hooked. I'm hooked. It's so good. It really is compelling. And, and, you know, I'm one of the Beatles hardcores. If it had been eight hours of the Beatles sitting around scratching their noses, I would have wanted to hear it. But, <laughs> but it's not. It, it really is an interesting portrait of the creative process of a band and, and an interesting portrait of the breakup of a band, basically. Um, I have a little bit of regret that it's not one of the albums that's more of a masterpiece. I think Let It Be is one of the lesser Beatles albums, which is like being one of Beethoven's lesser symphonies, I guess. But uh, in any case, interesting book and a good way to start the year. Next up, Music is History by Questlove of The Roots. I got you both of these. You did. Uh, and this was a really fun premise. Questlove goes from 1971 I would say to the present, but he really goes to 2001 and then does one last chapter post 9-11. And he goes year by year. He starts the chapter with just a list of what happened in the year. And then he talks about music and, as the title would suggest, history and how music conveys history and is tied up in history. And the way that we think about music and the way that we think about <laughs> history are the same and are different. Uh a fascinating book. It's a topic that I would like to do some work on at some point, but Questlove comes at it from a very different standpoint than anything I would ever think of. Uh, but it, it's it's great. And then he does little kind of sub-dives in there where he'll talk about, you know, great B-sides, and then he'll give you like 10 of his favorites, so things like that. I'm at least going to look into it. I don't know that it's going to be one that I will finish all the way through, but it's interesting enough to me. And Questlove himself is interesting enough to me. Do you remember when we started watching his master class? Yeah. With yeah. our son. Oh, <laughs> And he was telling, he, yeah, he was excellent. And our son was totally captivated by him. And he wanted to start scratching his records after that. <laughs> <laughs> he did. 
Yeah. We didn't we didn't finish the whole thing because Questlove told a story that dropped an F bomb and rightly horrified our son. And so we didn't <laughs> we didn't end up finishing it. But what we saw was fabulous. He tells the same uh, story about Barack Obama, by That's the way. That's the one. That's both the in one. the video and in the book. It's <laughs> it in the was, book too. It's a so. truly great story. Yeah. So I, I really enjoyed that. A different kind of book. But a fun one. Also, it's purple. So put that down if, if you want a, a brightly colored book to carry around. Uh, that's Can one. Can I just say, you brought it to the Governor's Cup <laughs> academic team match to read while our daughter was in competition. And I came in and saw you holding this purple book amongst all the moms. <laughs> I wanted to fit in. I don't know. But Questlove. It was good. I was proud of you. That was excellent. Next one was Woke Up This Morning, an oral history. I think it's called The Definitive Oral History of the Sopranos by Michael Imperioli and Steve Sharippa. And uh, it was Christopher and Bobby from The Sopranos, if you keep score. Um, I watched The Sopranos mostly. Here's my, my terrible confession. Six seasons, I watched four. I've never seen the last two. Are you kidding me? I never I finished the show. I you watched it to the end. I never have. So You told me about the last episode. Oh, everybody knows what happens. Even if you didn't watch The Sopranos, you know what, <laughs> what, what happened. But, me. but it, was, it was good to hear a lot of the, the stories uh, from the, the cast and the creators. I mean, great things about uh, James Gandolfini. Uh, mooning his television shrink from across the scene. The, the camera was shooting the other way, so just to mess with her on certain takes, he'd just moon her. You would enjoy a good mooning story. Oh, you know, who does not? Uh, <laughs> but no, a lot of inside stuff, and, and in, uh, it has made me go back, and I'm halfway through season one. I'm going to go through and watch them all if, if we can keep HBO Max long enough for <laughs> me to do it. But uh, <laughs> a really fun book. I love oral history. That's a constant theme with us, and this was a good one. They, they got to... A lot of the people, unfortunately, some of them, James Gandolfini among them, uh, no longer with us. But the, the people who could be talked to were talked to and shared some really fun, interesting, uh, and sometimes moving stories. Very cool. It's a show that I never watched and I don't expect to ever watch, but I have respect for it based on what you've said about it. It's such a great show. I mean, it, yeah, the content is going to be hard for some people, and then... I get it. Uh, I mean, Pulp Fiction's a great movie, too. It's not one I'd watch with, well, my grandmas are dead. I was going to say with my grandma, but that's an impossibility. But we, we could get into this subject all night, too, but we better stick to books. Or yeah, gonna... yeah, absolutely. And next, this was a reread. I read this probably nearly a decade ago, but I loved it maybe even more this time. I really recommend A Few Seconds of Panic by Stefan Fatsis. Stefan Fatsis is a 43-year-old journalist who talks the Denver Broncos into letting him come to NFL training camp and act as a kicker. He wants to actually kick in a game, not, not like a game game, like an exhibition game. I'm not going to give any spoilers one way or the other. He is pretty athletic. He, he was a soccer player back in his olden days. But where this book really shines is not so much his on-the-field stuff as his insight into the day-to-day -day life of an NFL player. And he wrote this in, like, 2006, so I suppose it's a little bit dated now. But it was really fascinating just to know what these guys were like, and that's really where he spends a lot of his time. And you, you come away from it with a little more idea of the meat market that is pro football uh, I liked this book enough that I checked out Word Freak, which was his book about becoming a competitive Scrabble player, oh, which is also a good read. Oh, you talked about that one on here. Uh-huh. So I like Stefan's writing, and this was the one that I read first of his, and I highly recommend it. Awesome. And then the last one, a book, other than the shared book, 
a book I can't really recommend because I read it in relative horror, Johnny Be Bad, Chuck Berry, and the Making of Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll by Stephanie Bennett. Huh. And we've talked before about biographies and how there are some kinds of biographies you don't particularly care for. This is one of those. Chuck oh. Berry, by all indications, was a pretty difficult human being to deal with. Suffice it to say, if you want to have glowing, positive memories of him, don't pick up Johnny B. Bad, because the Chuck Berry who emerges, uh, Hell, Hell, Rock and Roll was a movie made in the 80s. Uh, Keith Richards led his band, and they played a lot of the, the old songs with a lot of the old players. And apparently Chuck was just unlivably difficult to everybody the entire time, because the guy who emerges, again, it ain't pretty. Uh, Penny-pinching hard to get along with, hard to understand. Weird. Yeah, just, you know. And there are enough stories about Chuck Berry to know that some or all of this probably is pretty accurate, but it's still not a lot of fun to read. Um, no, I mean, you like to know the truth about people, but if it's, if it's people whose music you admire, some things might be, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's better to know. I don't know. So I think probably what I should have done is watch Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll. There is a famous scene from it I've seen. I've never seen the whole movie. But there's a scene with him and Keith Richards. And Keith Richards is like, hey, we're going to do it this way. And Chuck Berry's like, no, this is Chuck Berry music. And Keith Richards like, well, it's not going to sound good. And Chuck Berry's like, I don't care. It's my music. Go do it my way. So it's kind of infamous as Keith Richards is like the voice of reason and sanity, not a position he's used to being in. But... It kind of gives you an idea of Barry's mental state at this point. but Yeah, I have to admit, I don't really get into the theatrics of... Um, of like rock the stars? Way, yeah, the, <laughs> the drama queen kind of attitude gets old to me, which is one of the reasons that I have really enjoyed Get Back, because there's really not a lot... I mean, there's drama going on under the surface, but they're not all acting like, you know, like throwing temper tantrums. It's interesting stuff. that you say that, because, yeah, that's that's what people, I think, came to it expecting. Yeah. I mean, this is the story of a band's breakup, but they were even fairly civilized to each other when they were telling each other off. I mean, the, the scene that we watched where they're, like, talking about the possible dissolution of the band, and they're joking and laughing together, and then, you know, Paul almost cries. But, like, yeah. they, they just... they. They're civil to each other, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. I value civility over dramatic theatrics. Chuck Berry, apparently not quite so civil. But yeah. anyway, neither here nor there. Tell us about what you've been up to. Okay, the first thing that I read this year is called The Kitchen Counter Cooking School by Kathleen Flynn. Um, I didn't really know anything about Kathleen Flynn. Apparently, she has a really famous book about her time at the famous cooking school in Paris. And I'm going to get that one because I really loved this book. Um, it was fun to read from start to finish. Basically the idea is she came home from cooking school and she was in the grocery one day and happened to be near this woman and her daughter who were filling their carts with all kinds of boxed meals and processed foods and she couldn't stand it. And she stopped the woman and she she's had like, an apostle Paul moment. <laughs> yeah, she's like, look, Hey, you know, you've got this, this boxed, um, pasta with an Alfredo sauce. You can make that Alfredo sauce just as cheaply and so much more healthily and Basically, the woman let her lead her around the whole grocery store and replaced the boxed food with real food and explained to her how to cook it. And then the woman and her daughter, they're very excited about this. They leave, and she's like, I have no idea if I just changed anybody, but this is what I wanted to do with cooking school, with well, my cooking school education. And that's funny that that would be a book you would read because it's kind of something we've, we've modeled in our own life. You've kind of chosen these mentors to try to help you learn more about cooking because you want to do... And we do, fewer and fewer, not that we've ever been huge on 
processy boxy. We were things. huge on it for a while. Like for we a did while. a lot more of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, because I didn't really, I, I didn't really know what I was doing. My mom is a fabulous cook. My grandmothers are fabulous cooks. I read a book and paid attention to nothing they wanted to teach me, <laughs> and then I became a grown up, and it was just like, well, we have to eat. I'm hungry, <laughs> so you had to figure it out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as I get older, I put a higher value on foods that are less processed and, and more real. We still don't do um, perfectly with it by any means. Oh, no, no. But it's interesting to me, and I want to learn about this. So the rest of the book was she basically opened a cooking school and advertised, and nine women um, answered her call. They came in once a week, and she and various guests that she brought in um, taught them about cooking real food. And... Um, it was just so interesting from start to finish, the things that changed in these women and the things that did not. Mm-hmm. And just the lessons that she brought up and told about in this book, some of them you know, I already knew and I'm already doing and practicing and working on, but others of them were um, just really new cool recipes to try. I love new recipes. And honestly, I just love anything. I love food memoirs, but I love anything that has to do with cooking. I love challenging myself in this way and learning new stuff. We're about to buy a whole new pot tonight that I found that I want to add to our repertoire. (laughs) They're just, food stuff is fun to me. And so this book was fabulous and I'm going to get her other one. Then I read To Sir With Love by Lauren Lane, which was um, unapologetically a retelling of the movie You've Got Mail, which is one of my favorites. Um, It's also set in New York. It's set in a slightly different context and um, basically makes the male lead more likable. Than Joe Fox was in Joe Fox was pretty dead gum likable, and not just because <laughs> I once worked with a lady who would put my name on letters as Joe Fox, leading okay. me to joke that I was Tom Hanks. I love you've got mail, so I obviously like I obviously love Joe Fox, but I have always struggled with the fact that he put her out of business, and you know then she's just expected to like him, so it's hard. <laughs> this one was a little bit; um, it, it was easier to get over that kind of idea. So if you like you've got mail, that might be a book that you enjoy also. Then I read Will by Will Smith. This has apparently been the January of music books for me. Um, But anyway, Will by Will Smith, which I picked up because our son is obsessed with Will Smith. And so I'm like, well, let's let's see what it's about. And this was absolutely wonderful. I loved it. It's in there for me to read, too, and Mm -hmm. I hope to pull it off. I hope that you can get it before it has to go back to the library. I don't know whose ghostwriter was, but it was really well structured around, like, The titles all deal with some kind of theme like power, hope, friendship, love, loneliness, whatever. And then the stories that he would tell within them dealt with that theme somehow, but it still built chronologically through his life and through the things that he learned and the way that he changed. And, um, I mean, of course, it's his autobiography. He comes across really likable. But it was just a very, very good book, very fun all the way through. It's a non-spoiler, but because you read it to me, the naming of his second child is one of the best stories I've ever heard. <laughs> I'll throw that out there as a uh, yeah, crumb for people. Don't give it away. No. All right, the next one I read was called Wholehearted Faith by Rachel Held Evans, and it was um, her book that was finished posthumously by her friend Jeff Chu. We've talked about Rachel Held Evans on here many times. Her book, Searching for Sunday, was kind of revolutionary for both of us in the way that we thought about church, in the way that we're still thinking about church, um, and and trying to figure out what to think about church. Yeah. Yeah. her writing is instrumental. She is a person, a Christian, who writes about faith um, 
in just kind of really interesting and personal ways. We don't always agree with everything that she says. Um, can't always come down on the same side theologically, but I always come down with her on the same side um, about love and about Jesus, if that makes sense. Yeah, she, she's out of the evangelical tradition, but it's not a tradition that she's particularly comfortable with. Which No, she's not even, she was not even in it at the time of right, her death. Right. She was Episcopal yeah. at that point. Um, but wholehearted faith kind of connects with Brene Brown and her whole idea of wholehearted living. And um, Rachel Held Evans attempted to apply those same kinds of themes to how we look at our faith and how we approach as Christians, the faith that we want to live out in the world. Again, not finished by her, but Jeff Chu did a fabulous job of putting all the pieces together and taking the rough draft of the unfinished book she had on her computer when she passed away and making it into something that was whole and very beautiful and really very bittersweet because it's the last one that we're ever going to get from her. So I've got that one down for you too. I know you love her and you'll want to read it at some point. The next one I read was called When You Get the Chance by Emma Lord. I read her book that I think is called Tweet Cute last summer. She writes young adult books. Both of those, this one and Tweet Cute, were, they were set in New York City, which I'm a sucker for anything set in New York City. <laughs> My main two qualifications in a good novel is that it's got to have great characters who I can really root for and a setting that is so good. It's like another person. I and thought it, you were just going to say it had to be New York City. And I'm like, okay, Gatsby. Say, and then if, well, it's, <laughs> if it's bonus points, if it can be in a place that I really, really love, oh, like yeah. Wendell Berry in Kentucky, sure. New York City, all those kinds of things. So it was just a really fun book. Um, bonus points for this one, because there were times in it when um, I wasn't always pulling for the characters, but I was always pulling for the city, and her passion was musical theater, which I'm deeply interested in, but her goal was to be on Broadway, and so like lots of the little bits that were dropped about that throughout the whole story were really fun. Then the last one that I just finished today is called God of the Garden by Andrew Peterson. He is a Christian musician, and I read his book about creativity called Adorning the Dark, I guess last year, but I read it two or three times. It's so good. Mm -hmm. This is similar. The cover looks similar, and um, the style of the writing is similar. It's another memoir about his life, but this one, instead of being centered on creativity, is centered on his love of trees and his belief that um, we are put here to care for the earth. And so it was a really, really lovely book, very thought-provoking. I am no gardener. Take a look at our (laughs) front landscaping. You will know that. Um, But I come from gardeners, and I come from people who could look at trees for two seconds and be like, oh, yeah, that's a whatever it is, you know. And I love that. I admire it. And I, I definitely care about taking care of our world Trees, when we started looking for a house, the big old tree in the backyard was one of the reasons that I wanted this place because trees were non-negotiable. Back before we worried about it as a storm hazard, but anyway. Well, still. I mean, (laughs) trees are, I needed to be in a place around trees. So Andrew Peterson, I would recommend any of his books. All right. That leads us to our shared read, which we, I mentioned a little bit last week. Mm Mm-hmm. And it is called A Deadly Education by Naomi Novik. How about, Joe, you give us a summary of this book? So I set you up for this because we were talking about it earlier, and I said, you know, wow, I'm really enjoying this, but don't ask me to summarize it because (laughs) if I go to summarize it, I'm going to be like, well, there's the bad people, and they got the bad stuff, and the good people are trying to keep them from... (laughs) It is about a magical school and the, the plot of this parallel universe, you know, I traced it, but please don't ask me to recap it. It's because very well set up. It, it's thorough and, and, and intricate and 
again, I, I would struggle to explain it without being like, there's the good stuff that the bad then, people are trying to get, even, but they're... Their gangs are trying to... Even though all you can say is good stuff and bad stuff, (laughs) if you read this book, you will not have any questions about what is going on and how the world is set up. Like, there's no... No, no, no. It's clear. Very much. Um, Can can you describe anything about it besides the good stuff and the bad stuff? Well, the... uh, the, the, The parallel that I had drawn early in the book was, I said, it reminded me of Harry Potter and there was something else thrown in. And I had found the something else thrown in. The novel was called The Resistors by Gish Jin, which is a futuristic sci-fi book about a girl who's a great baseball pitcher and has to kind of make this similar minefield of like, who do I align myself with? Which really ends up being a lot of what a deadly education is about. I read, I don't know, a third of this book, and I'm just rolling along really enjoying the story, <laughs> really getting into this world, which is... I, see, I don't think the Harry Potter comparison is apt. The only to, the only thing that fits with Harry Potter is that they're both magical Magic schools. Magic and school, yeah. Um, but this one just has such a dark side to it, as evidenced yeah. from A Deadly Education in the title. But I'm reading through, I'm, I'm really enjoying this. I'm learning all this stuff about this world, and all of a sudden I'm just stopped cold, and I'm like, this is, you know, meta- this is a huge metaphor um, for all the things that we actually face in life. Who are we going to align with? Mm-hmm. Um, what aspects of society and common culture are we going to say we're cool with and which ones are we going to say no that's absolutely wrong and i set myself against that yeah what's unfair privilege and and what's people taking advantage of good breaks uh yeah, yeah. you know that, that's a big big part of the plot here what her particular moral code will be and she has to decide it in the face of of, of danger and of backstabbing and you know again there, there's that element that really is what high school is like, where you have to decide, who are my friends? Who do I trust? How much do I trust them? Would I tell person A and person B the same thing, or person A and not person B? But what I really admired about Galadriel is that she came to this school with an uncommon privilege of her own. Her mother is a gifted and famous um, person in the magical community, and she does not share the name. Nobody knows whether or not she will re- continue to align herself with these people or if she will take an easy way out. And it was just so good. The ending just about knocked me out. And I'm really excited because it says lesson one at the bottom. Yes. Which and, means there's going to be We were told at the end, if you paid attention. There it is. I didn't flip all the way there. <laughs> the very last page of the book shows you that the next one is The Last Graduate, which is an intriguing title already based on what we know about this school. There's a lot that I don't feel like we can really explain because it's going to give away a lot about the book. But I just want to say, if you're into fantasy, if you're into magical kinds of things, you would really like this book. But I also think that if you if it's not your top genre, I think that you might don't don't overlook this one. No, it was a good out of the wheelhouse kind of thing for me, and I'll you know I'll probably defer to you on the second one. I'll probably let you read it first, but I'm down for another one. Yeah, I mean it just absolutely pulled both of us in, and I mean you've been reading like all day long. You have not yeah, stopped. No, was, and that's how I was. You were right. Thirty to forty percent of the way in, it's coming along nicely. It's I've fine. It's like. It. Oh, okay. Yeah, and now oh. it's like, oh my gosh, this is great. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely recommend to you A Deadly Education by Naomi Novik. Yeah, and uh, going to get to 
Another book that came our way, Tangled Up in Blue, which is not about Bob Dylan. The, the odds <laughs> that I would read a book called Tangled Up in Blue are really good, but that it would not be about Bob Dylan, that might be a surprise. But that one is going to be time after next because I finally got you on one that I read and okay. said would be a good shared book. So I was now wondering you're if you were it. skipping ahead. No. So what our shared read for next week is going to be is called The Storyteller by Dave Grohl. Joe talked about it um, several weeks ago because you listened to it and it finally came in for me at the library. I've been reading it. Um, Love it. I'm probably going to finish it up maybe tomorrow. So we'll talk (laughs) about it in two weeks whenever uh, we see you all again. If you have read A Deadly Education or if you've read The Storyteller or anything else that we've talked about this week, please let us know. Also, if you have any recommendations for things that we ought to be reading, you can get in touch with us at paperbackreaderspod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at paperbackreaderspod and on Twitter at paybackreaderspod. Mm -hmm. That's it. Well, thanks so much. Until next time, keep reading. Mm -hmm.